0: This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to Nirvana Sisters, where we discuss all things health and well being to help you achieve your highest state, your Nirvana. Hi, I'm Amy Sherman, a marketing exec with a passion for wellness and beauty.
1: Hi, I'm Katie Chandler, a former fit model that has a passion for health and fitness.
0: We are sisters-in-law who share the same love for well-being, ready to sift through all the self-care noise and bring you a splash of what we think is fun. So let's get started. In this week's episode of Nirvana Sisters, we speak with Jen Silverman. She has a master's in health promotion management with a specialization in nutrition education from American University in Washington, D.C., earning her MS and Nutrition Education Certification. She spent nearly a decade consulting organizations in the public and private sector on their employee wellness programs. She's worked closely with a number of Fortune 500 companies. She's also studied holistic nutrition at the Nutrition School in Manhattan and is licensed by the American Association of Drugless Practitioners. Additionally, Jen has been featured in Fit Mama City, a site tailored to the super women who run their households she has contributed to shape magazine business insiders readers digest runners world eat this not that aptiv and ladders she was so amazing to speak to and we were so excited to talk about all of our wellness questions
1: yeah jen really was a super fun interview she has such a scientific background in nutrition. She's just a wealth of knowledge. And, you know, she touched on a, a lot of things that we could so relate to. And, and we know you guys will too. So enjoy the episode. Welcome Nirvana Sisters family to this week's episode. We are so excited this week. We have holistic nutritionist Jen Silverman. Jen is an expert in nutrition and intuitive eating. She takes a 360 approach to empower her clients to take ownership of their eating choices to enrich their lives. Her high-touch approach, warmth, and relatability set her apart among her peers, and we cannot wait to get into all things nutrition, wellness, and health with her. Hi, Jen. How are you?
2: I'm great. Thank you. How are you?
1: So good. I'm so happy you're here. Hi, Jen. So nice to meet you. You too.
2: Happy to be here. Thanks again.
1: Well, let's start this week with our uh, weekly nirvana. Amy, why don't you tell us yours? Oh, I'm first. Okay.
0: So my weekly nirvana was probably yesterday morning, which was a Saturday morning. And I was just kind of a lazy morning, just long week of work, stressful. And so my husband and I sat on the couch for a couple hours. <laughs> And binged watch the new Mark Wahlberg documentary. Um, I think it's on Netflix, Wall Street, which... Oh, no, it's on HBO, I believe, uh, where he goes through all of his businesses and he started taping it before COVID. So it was really interesting. So we like binged the whole thing. I think it was six episodes, but it was just nice to like sit on the couch and watch coffee and do nothing for a couple hours and just be quiet and watch a documentary together. So it was really good. Highly recommend, by the way. What about you, Katie?
1: Uh, first of all, I want to watch that. That sounds good. Um, mine also involves the hubs and we had a nice little date night on Friday. We haven't had a date night in, I don't know, like maybe a month, which I know is not that long. A lot of couples don't get to have a date night once a month, but it was just really nice to sit down and have some good food and talk. We talked each other's heads off for a few hours. So it was great. Nice. Yeah. What about you, Jen?
2: Mine is, of course, food related too. Um, We went out to dinner also. We went out with friends, but to a really delicious Greek restaurant. I am a huge fan of Mediterranean food and it was delicious. The wine, the food, the company, and it was a really a nice highlight to my weekend. That's so nice. It really makes you appreciate going out to dinner. We actually went out to
0: dinner last night too. And it's probably the first time in forever we've gone out with two sets of friends sitting outside. And it was like, you really appreciate it now that it's not so common, so that's yeah. good to hear. All right, so before we start in our main topic, Jen, just a couple quick questions, some quick fire questions, as we like to call it. So how long have you been a holistic nutritionist?
2: So I gradu- I got my master's, finished my master's in 2012, but I was working as a corporate wellness consultant for seven years before I went out on my own. So I've only been in private practice for three years. I don't really know. Is that 10, I guess around 10 years? Yeah, ish. Terrible. Math is clearly not my strong suit. But if you want to ask me a science-related question, I got it. <laughs> so what inspired you
0: to to do what you do? And what, what inspired you to start your company and get into your
2: field? That's a really good question. I had a lot of health issues. I have had a lot of doctors and healthcare professionals in my family. So I was fortunate in that way. When I did have health stuff, there was always somebody to ask and like a lot of experts to weigh in. And while I don't, I'm not a, I don't believe exclusively in Eastern medicine, they were only worked in Western medicine. And I believe that so much of what I was going through, obviously there was ways to treat it, but there had to be ways to prevent it. So after, gosh, I had mono twice, I had Lyme's disease, Bell's palsy, petechiae, viral meningitis. Oh my gosh. Ulcer, I I I was like, this is ridiculous. Like I'm done taking antibiotics. I want to find out what's going on and I want to fix it. And I specifically went into I, I don't know if this is your question, but I'll answer it anyway. I went into holistic nutrition and functional nutrition as opposed to becoming a registered dietitian because I wanted to do prevention versus disease management and I wanted to get to people before they got there versus somebody coming to me and saying, okay, I have all these ailments, like fix me.
1: That's amazing. Smart. That's the crux of like Western medicine. Everyone's just all about fixing the problem as opposed to preventing the problem. Yeah.
2: Wow. So and so much is preventable. And I feel like, you know, it's, it's not fair to say that everything is, but making like really small changes to your lifestyle goes such a long way. And I don't think People always recognize that. They always associate like eating healthy, exercising with only a weight relation, like weight related, whether it's weight loss, weight management. And of course it is, it's a great byproduct. But I wish that more people understood the benefits in other areas of our lives aside from just our weight.
0: So, in doing all of this deep diving into the work, did you figure out why, I guess, when you were younger, you were getting all of these things? Like, I'm sure, did your journey? Kind of give you more answers?
2: Yes. I think because of the Lyme's, Lyme's is an autoimmune disease that stays with you. It really just weakens your immune system in every way. And I learned that through changing my diet and habits, other wellness habits, like sleep is really important to me. I get made fun of. I'm not. I would like to say I'm not that old, but I feel like an old lady because I am an early to bed, early to rise type of woman. And I think I I have been for longer than most people have, like before I became a mom. So I realized that I honestly just needed to hone in on that, like getting enough sleep and eating the right foods, eliminating a lot of crappy foods that happen to be in the sad standard American diet. Um, and it worked wonders for me. So it wasn't antibiotics and all of that. It was really just making those changes with what I was putting into my body. You're speaking Katie's language.
0: She's an yeah. early to bed, early to rise <laughs>
1: type girl, <laughs> 100%. And I also have autoimmune disease. So I, I totally I get that. Yeah. What do you have? I have hypothyroidism and Addison's disease, which I don't know if you're familiar with that one. It's. I
2: have a client who has Addison's. We're working on her having another baby, which is always,
1: you know, wow. yeah. 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 Interesting. So you have had a a very extensive career. What were you doing before you had your own company?
2: I was working with big companies like Fortune 500 companies on their employee wellness and well-being programs. So going in and working directly with their healthcare providers and their insurance providers to design plans and um, different programming to inspire their employees to take care of themselves. So whether it was revamping their cafeterias and what was offered there or designing a gym or like an on-site exercise facility so that the employees had a space to go, whether it was on their lunch break or before or after work. And then I'm not sure how familiar you are with health promotion and wellness programs, but there's usually some sort of like carrot and stick involved. So we're either incentivizing them by lowering their premiums or the stick would be kind of I guess it's, sim- I mean, it's really the way you market it, honestly, but would be charging them more, obviously, if they didn't meet certain parameters. So, like, if their cholesterol was too high or they were a smoker or their body weight or body fat wasn't in the normal ranges, they would have a different a different price, a different premium for their health plan. Mm, I see. So, yeah kind of not fair. Uh, I don't know. I have very I have different opinions. I like what I do now more because I feel like when you work in corporate wellness, not that it can't be effective, but usually the people that already care about themselves and already want to make those changes are already there. They're the ones that are excited to see you and they're like, "Oh yes, like this is awesome and we get to do this and she's leading a run and we're doing all that." And then the people that you really need to reach, a lot of times honestly, it's invasive and they're like, I feel like it's a big brother situation and they feel like it's not really their company's job to tell them what they can eat or what they can do on their free time. As long as they're getting their work done, why is it? So there's a lot of like politics involved there. And I, it was hard for me to, I don't know, I, to move the needle there. I, so now like when someone comes to me, you know, they're excited to make those changes, whatever their motivation is, they're there, they're at that whole that place where they want to learn and they want to do it. And that's fun, more fun for me. Nice.
1: So I think you kind of already described it a little bit, but the holistic approach versus the traditional approach of nutritionist, what is that the difference between the Western and the Eastern and, and hitting something, you know, trying to fix the problem before it starts?
2: Yeah, it's somewhat, it's, it's just considering the whole person. So it is you can have a perfect diet, but if you are only getting 5 hours of sleep or you're not exercising cuz you I mean, I don't know if this is a term I'm allowed to say on a podcast, but like skinny fat, for example, or like somebody who like yeah. looks healthy outwardly, but they Ne- aren't necessarily like going to have that longevity or feel yeah. as good as somebody who actually takes care of themselves. So it's approaching, it's taking all of those into consideration. So mental health, like stress management, enough sleep, hydration, um, movement, versus just saying like, okay, you should have twelve hundred calories a day, stop eating at seven p.m., and then you will hit the weight that you want to hit. I right, see. they all work together. Yeah, I mean, but and they all really they affect one another like completely. I don't know for like, for me, I don't exercise necessarily because it helps me look better in my jeans. I actually exercise because I'm nicer to my family and my friends. Like to, it's a stress reliever. It's That one hour where I'm like not catering to my three children or my husband or my clients. And I'm like zoned out and focusing on me. And of course the benefits otherwise are great physically. And I actually, I should say, I don't I think it's very realistic and fair to say, when I have someone come to me and I say, what are your goals? And they're like, I want to look good naked. Like, I think that that's a very honest answer. So I don't only like to work with people who are like, I want to feel really good. Like, that's, unfortunately, that's not always going to be the motivation. But
0: yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because we've talked about this on the show a lot, many times about how exercising we we did an episode a while ago about movement and meditation. and we were saying that exercising makes us both personally feel really good. And if we don't, exactly. you're it, you just feel more stressed out. You're not as nice to your family, et cetera, et cetera. But I think when you're younger or, when you're first starting out exercising you're right it's completely physical you're like oh i want to look good i want to do this but then the more and more you do it you're like i just feel so much better even if it's 20 minutes a day i'm a different person and i think that's when the change happens and i think it takes time from like what i've experienced personally cuz i think you know i just recently got to that place i feel like a few years ago but Moving on to intuitive eating, it's kind of a topic that you hear about now. It's like a hot topic. I'm sure it's been around forever. But can you just talk to us about what it is, what does it mean, and kind of how you listen to your intuition, I guess?
2: Sure. I think it's a really hard topic, honestly. I get a lot. I get really frustrated. I mean, I could probably get a lot of heat for this, but I follow, obviously, a lot of people on social media, and there are a lot of dietitians and nutritionists who say, you know, like you should or who promote intuitive eating in a way that they're like, if you want the ice cream, have the ice cream. I'm not saying that you can't have ice cream. Ice cream happens to be my favorite vice, which is why I usually use that as an example. But I do think that there is it's okay to not always give in to what you want, because I think that sometimes you think that you want it or you think that you need it. And I think eating intuitively to me means not eating when I'm supposed to, it's actually learning about when I want to eat something. So breakfast is another good example. I believe that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. I don't believe that the timing of the breakfast is what's important though. I believe that what's important is what you actually break your fast on from the night before, because I think it sets the tone for the day. So I personally, I'm not hungry in the morning and I'll have a lot of clients come to me and they'll say... You know, I'll do a food recall, and they're like, "Well, you know." So I woke up at six thirty, and then I had my coffee, and I had some avocado toast. And not that avocado toast is a bad choice; it's delicious. Avocados have fiber and you know, potassium, omega is like great and good bread. But I'm like, "Were you hungry?" And then they kind of sit back, and and I'm like, "Yeah," and they say, "I think so." And I'm like, "But were you?" Because to me, even the avocado toast—I don't know—that's probably three to four hundred calories, maybe more, depending on how much avocado you're using. Not all calories are equal. That's not what I'm saying. But why are you eating just because 10 years ago you read some article that some health expert said breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Your metabolism is not going to start unless you eat breakfast first thing. Like to me, that's why, why are you adding in 400 calories because you're afraid that your metabolism won't work? Your metabolism is there's so many factors that contribute to your metabolism and the strength of it, and nothing is related to when you start eating. Like, it's mostly how much muscle tone you have. It's mostly our our sitting here, the three of us, how much muscle we have at rest is going to determine how, how much we're burning, not doing anything. Not whether you woke up in the morning and ate something or gave it time and waited until 10 or 11 or whenever you had another hole in your day and your hunger pangs actually set in. So
1: intuitive eating, then, is it more about really listening to when your body's hungry, not so much like a craving? Is that, would you, because I've gone yeah. in and out of intuitive eating. I I feel like it works for me. And then maybe it's like my time of the month and the cravings take over. And then intuitively, I'm like, well, I want a chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> so
2: that makes sense. That so totally makes sense. But so that it does. I think there it is. I think it's more that. I'll have, I always use examples because I feel like it's the best way to explain. I'll have someone say to me, after dinner, I always have something sweet. And I'm like, okay, do you need something sweet all the time? Or is it just related to your hormones? Because I know for me, that week leading up to my, my sex cycle, I also, I'm a, ch- a chocolate chips, ice cream, I'm a sweets person. But I the other times, it's more of a ritual or a routine. It's not necessarily that I need it. And I'll say to them, like, well, why do you have them? I'm like, well, I have to end on something sweet. And I'm like, okay. And I love to use the example of if my clients are married or in a relationship, it makes it easier. But your husband wakes up in the morning and you roll over and he's picking his nose and he's wiping it on the wall. And you're like, well, like why are you doing that? And he's like, well, it's just like what I do. And I'm like, okay. So that's what I, don't have to, I don't have to say to my client because I'm like, so after dinner, you eat 10 Yasso bars, like why? And they're like, well, it's just what I do. And I'm like, right. I'm like, but let's like try to figure out like, do you need something sweet? Does it have to be 10 of them? Or is it related to hormones or that you didn't get enough sleep? Because if you don't get enough sleep, which is kind of goes back to your first question, you naturally need more, want more sugar. Our bodies are smart, right? So the first thing that gets us energy is sugar. So they know okay, that's what I'm going to crave because that's what's going to help me get out of this afternoon rut or whatever is going on with me. So yeah. So to me, I guess intuitive eating means one, not eating just because it's a predetermined time that somebody says, this is when you should eat. Two, it's listening to hunger cues versus just doing something again, kind of like because or because you're used to it or because you got into that routine of it versus needing it, which hormonally, you would need it around your cycle versus other times. Yeah, it's delicious. But I don't know, there's other ways to use your time versus out of boredom. Or Do you, do you believe that the body
1: in regards to intuitive eating, like sometimes I'm craving something super healthy, actually, frequently, I'm craving like kale or oranges. And I, I always wonder, and I've heard that's because I'm craving the nutrients within those plants. And is that a real thing?
2: I believe this is true for sure. I mean, think about even like pregnancy. I think that women eat the most intuitively when they're pregnant. Mm-hmm. I didn't eat red meat for about six years. And then I got pregnant with my first son and all of a sudden, all I wanted was red meat. And I don't, I honestly, I don't have a background in like fertility, like nutrition and fertility. So I remember I went to my doctor and I mean, I've done a lot of research now and learned a lot about it, but technically I have no like specialization in that, if I'm, you know, being completely transparent. But I went to my OB and I said, you know, what's going on? All I want is a burger. She's like, your body needs the iron. And ever since then, I was like, she's right. And now I think about that as well. Like I, whenever you definitely, a hundred percent.
0: It's funny that you say that because I used to, not as much anymore, but I remember thinking that same thing around my cycle. Sometimes I crave steak and I don't eat that much meat either. It's like here and there, but Right before my cycle, sometimes I'm like, oh, I just need steak and it's because I need the iron. And my doctor said sure. the same thing. She's like, Yeah, you have it because your body is wanting that iron. Yeah. So it's so interesting.
2: It really, our bodies are really smart.
0: Let's talk about the importance of eating whole foods. And we talked to that a little bit, but just, you know, the idea of processed foods and, and causing inflammation, which you hear about all the time. And just how do you tailor a diet for someone when, you know, they need to be eating more whole foods?
2: So my, I should ask you first, I'm going to answer your question with a question. Do you know what inflammation is? Because I think that it's a very, it's a buzzword that a lot of people don't always know what it means. I probably cannot
0: answer it. I'm sure Katie would answer it. I mean, I I just know just generally there's inflammation in the body and you need to be eating foods that lower the inflammation and inflammation isn't good for various reasons, but Katie is much more well-versed than me.
1: (laughs) That's not necessarily true, but thank you. Uh, from what I think, it has to do with like your body holding water and your lymphatic system kind of not draining properly. And that's about all I know. <laughs> but I, can, I can literally see when I am inflamed from, yeah. from maybe too much wine or too many sweets or you know, like the, the wrong.
2: Eating. I get it. From mine too. Um, I'm going to do I'm going to break it down quickly. Well, Great. simply so. Chronic inflammation is what you're talking about. Acute inflammation is you cut your finger, it starts to bleed. That's a good thing. We want our bodies to react that way and to know what to, what happens if something happens, like a, a cut or a bruise or something like that. But chronic inflammation can manifest itself in a, a lot of ways. For some people... It, it comes out in their skin. They um, look at eczema or rosacea or acne, relate, and it's usually related to what they're eating, of course. For other people, it actually could be in their brain, so it could be anxiety or depression or something related to mental health. For a lot of people now, it's like in the gut, so you'll hear a lot of like be a gut healthy. So whether they're constipated or IBS, and the other side of the coin, whatever that looks like. So. My To go back to the processed food question, to tie it all together, processed food, just unfortunately nowadays, and I should say processed food in the States as opposed to outside of the U.S. because it is much less processed outside of the U.S., which is absolutely crazy. It just leads to a lot of inflammation in the body. So our farming system, like corn, wheat, soy, dairy, all of those things to mass produce them. There's just a lot of, there's glyphosate in the, in the soil. There's a lot of things that are added to make it lucrative for uh, that entire industry. And unfortunately, when we're eating it, it's all gone into usually the pastas, the pasta, the sauces, um, the marinades, the vegetable oils. And that, to me, is why we need to avoid processed food, honestly. And
1: other things like stabilizers, too, like xanthan gum is not good, right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: And it's honestly, it's hard to avoid. I, I had a client, a new client I worked with last week actually asked me, she's like, So you never eat anything? Xanthan gum is actually the example that she gave me because that's used a lot. It's just a binder. And most people, when they look at the ingredients, when they look at the back of the food, they'll look at the calories, the fat, maybe the sodium. They don't look at the ingredients. So a lot of it is I'm like, Okay, go below that and let's look at the ingredients. But she said to me, do you really avoid everything with that, with those products? And I said, honestly, it's impossible for me to avoid them exclusively, but I, I would say they make up one to 2% of my diet. And I say that just because I'm also a real person. I, and I, I think it's really easy for people to say like, I eat perfectly, like, I'm not going to poucho, for example, like I don't have, I don't know. And I, I think that you have to be a little a little kind to yourself about that, like choose the lesser of two evils. Like if you're choosing something and it might have gum in it, maybe have it once a month. It shouldn't be a staple in your diet, but it doesn't mean you have to live off of celery juice and kale all day either. Like I'm realistic. So
0: to that point, can you tell our listeners how So I'll read the back of a package, and I try to look for things with as least ingredients as possible and things that I understand what they are. But generally speaking, how would you tell someone to read the label? Because sometimes, like, I don't even know what processed means. Like, if it's in a box, does it mean it's processed? Or what if it's in a box and it has, like, two ingredients? Like, can you just give a little bit of a 101 on that?
2: Yeah. So the first thing I would say is the healthiest foods have no label at all. So fruits, vegetables, fish, things like that. There's no label whatsoever. There's no package. Good point. Yeah. And then the fewer ingredients, the better. That's a really good point also. That you, uh, Like I've put people on like fun tests and like try to eat things with only seven ingredients or less. Like I don't even care what they are just because likely they're not going to be having more fillers and stuff like that. So the first ingredient listed is the one that's the most predominant. So I'll tell someone, for example, they're like, oh, well, I have whole wheat bread. You know, clearly this is someone who doesn't have a gluten allergy, celiac, et cetera. And I'll say, okay, turn over the package. Like, because they'll tell me, I know it's whole wheat. I'm like, okay, turn it over. And the first ingredient isn't even whole wheat. It'll be like some sort of flour. And then there'll be whole wheat in there. But I'm like, that's not 100% whole wheat bread. That actually has a lot of different grains in it, which... Again, might not hurt you necessarily, but you have to know what you're eating. So I would also look in terms of order. So sugar is something else I also to look at. Like you're having yogurt, the first or second ingredient better not be sugar. The first or second ingredient, I mean, it should have something related to milk or if it's non-dairy, almond, you know, if you can't understand the word, it means don't have that. Because even, I mean, going back to sugar, there's like 30 different ways to say sugar. Like, sucrose. too gross. I mean, mean, anything with oats usually would mean that there is sugar related to it. That's a fun fact to keep in mind. But I think the fewer the ingredients, the better. Foods that don't have an ingredients label, period, are the ones that I would – I mean, 80% of your diet, I would keep to foods that have no ingredients list at all. That's right. I love that. I love that. Let me ask you a question. Speaking of
0: sugar, because I have a major sweet tooth and I like love all of these new brands. Like I think it's called Smart Sweets and Behave and they're they're sweetened with monk fruit
2: something. What's your take on that? Okay. So my, it's not, you're not going to like it. Um, (laughs) All right. (laughs) In the fifties and sixties, they came out with sweet and low. And everyone's so excited because they're like, guess what? You can have this and it's sweet, but there's going to be no calories. It's amazing. So they started pumping all of the foods with sweet and low. Then about a decade later, they're like, oh, crap. Sweet and low is really bad for us. Don't worry, though. Like, we have this new stuff. It's called Equal. Like, so stay away from all the pink packets and go for blue packets. And then Equal comes around. Equal is, like, now put into everything instead, also for flavor, of course, and to make things more palatable. And then about a decade or two later, they're like, crap, this is bad for us too. Oh no, like stay away from the pink stuff, stay away from the blue stuff. Then the same thing happens with Splenda. Again, the timeline is a little off, but they're around a decade. And now everything has like Stevia, Truvia, monk fruit, stuff like that. Now they are saying that Stevia, Truvia, for example, are from a plant. Monk fruit has the word fruit in it. I still wonder from how processed it is though. So again, full transparency. Would I eat something that has monk fruit, stevia, or trivia in it? Yes. Do I eat them regularly? No. I I hate the idea, and I I hate the strong word. That's not fair. But I, I would tell you, if you were my client, Amy, you still don't need to be eating something sweet every single day. One, because psychologically, you're telling yourself, you're probably eating more than you would because you're like, oh, well, it's monk fruit. Like, it's fine for me. There's fewer calories, and there's less sugar, and like, it's fine. So you're eating the whole bag versus like 10 of them. Um, which portions always, that always happens. Cause you tell yourself it's okay. And there's like a psychological component related there. But the other thing is like, I just wait for the other shoe to drop. Like I wait for in 2025 or 2030, I don't know what year that is where they say, oh, wait, there's like monk fruit actually can be dangerous. Here are some things that it can do to you that aren't good. So I have, I would, again, would be lying to you if I told you that I don't ever eat products that have those in them but they are not staples in my diet.
0: Yeah, that's really good to think about. It's almost like eat those candies, like maybe before your cycle when you're feeling like you have to have something sweet because it's the lesser of two evils to your point, but you don't know what's in it. And it is crazy how they market it, right? Because you f- even, you know, we're somewhat savvy, I would say. And even when you read the label, you're like, oh... I mean, I think for years, sweet and low and all of those things, you like know they have chemicals in this, but you read this and you're like, oh, monk fruit, it sounds like it doesn't have chemicals, but you're right. Who knows?
2: And I mean, that's kind of the issue with the science of nutrition in general. It's a really young science, like compared to other sciences. So they are always finding out new stuff. Like you always kind of have to be on top of the research because monk fruit hasn't been pumped into every product for quite for that long, like I would say two years, maybe three at most. So I would just be thoughtful, be mindful about how much of it you're having, because I would hate for, you know, in a few years down the line for them to say like, oh, crap, that's really not so good either.
1: Well, that leads me into our next question, because kind of tying back to to inflammation and everything. There's also
2: whole foods that are considered inflammatory, Right. Yeah, that's depending on who you are. Yes. Okay. You mean like lectins or nightshades stuff like that?
1: Yeah. It yeah, it it leads me into the your thoughts on like specific diets because I did when after I had my second child I couldn't lose my baby weight to save my life and then I did keto. And keto was like you know remove all of these inflammatory foods and take out all of the processed food and take out all the carbs. And I did kind of a, like a modified keto where I was actually a little bit lower fat and higher in uh, lean protein. And it worked.
2: You did more paleo then.
1: I guess probably. yeah, and actually yeah. I, do, I do paleo uh, now more than anything. but what, what are your thoughts on on low carb, keto, low fat? Like there's all these different fad diets that people are trying constantly.
2: So my first thought is when I get the question, what is the best diet? I will tell you the one that you can stick to because all of those will work for you as long as you're on them. And then when you're off of them is kind of when you get back to square one, which is why I would say you have to make a lifestyle change. There can't be like a start and an end date. And I, if people have a lot of trouble wrapping their heads around that, which is why I try to remind them like, I don't eat perfectly 100% of the time. I just aim for like 80 to 90% of the time. So that way there's no like Saturday – I mean this didn't happen to me, but a, or a Saturday I woke up and we had bagels and then I was like, okay, today's crap because I just had bagels and, and now I'm going to treat my body poorly for today and I'll start fresh on Sunday or I'll start fresh on Monday. Like the timeline I think is what really messes with people. Like if they say that I'm on this diet or this eating plan for this – Specific amount of time, then that is what sets them up for failure. Because if they fall off of it, then they feel defeated. And then they, you know, they again, they set up another time where they're going to go on it from an actual like analyzing the macronutrients. So I have a client who I worked with, he's young, 28 years old. We worked together uh, with my approach and he lost about 30, 40 pounds. Then he, we stopped working together. COVID hit. Obviously, he was more sedentary, wasn't walking around Manhattan the same way decides to go on keto, lost again the 40 pounds that he had put back on, on keto. That said, his cholesterol was in the 300s. So he calls me and he's like, Jen, I don't know what to do. And I was like, okay. I'm like, this is, I'm like, one, congratulations. Like you got back to your goal weight. Well, like, because I I don't, I'm not going to insult keto. Like, I mean, I do think it's basically Atkins with like a new trendy name to it. But there was a lot of people who did Atkins and after losing the weight, they still got kidney stones. So I think, I think the problem with any of those is, if anything, what I would tell someone is to, I like Whole30 because I think it, it educates you. And again, it pushes whole foods versus like idolizing a certain macronutrient over another. Like keto is all fat fueled. Like, and if you have too much fat on the one hand, okay, so there's nine calories in one gram of fat. There's four calories in one gram of carbohydrate and four calories in one gram of protein. So technically, if you're eating mostly fat. You should be able to eat a lot less and you should be full a lot longer because a steak, I mean, I, I don't know, depending on how big it is, how many ounces it is, it should keep you longer, honestly, than eating even a piece of fish, unfortunately, but it's not going to be as high in omegas. So, I mean, I know I'm not really answering it like straight, as straightforward as you might've hoped, but I would say any diet's going to work if you stay on it for quite some time. But the key to like sustained weight loss and weight management is making a lifestyle change. I'm on the Mediterranean diet mostly. I don't really identify as that, but I eat a lot of lot of fruits and vegetables. I use mostly only avocado oil and olive oil, extra virgin olive oil, but I eat a lot of fish. So not, not that many grains or? I don't eat a lot of grains. I don't digest them well. They give me heartburn. I don't have celiac and I'll have, like I'll have a good pizza, not a gluten-free pizza, like real old-fashioned good pizza, but like, I'll have it once a month. It's not a staple. And I think that's that's kind of my like motto. There are the staples in your diet and those are the things that you eat regularly that make me feel the best. They'll make most people feel the best. I haven't really experienced many people who don't. And then there's, you can't tell yourself that you're never gonna have those because that, or you're never gonna have the other stuff because then that's just sad. Like if you're like, okay, you can never eat pizza ever again. But then there are the things that you have for an event or like an occasion or if it's really good, not just because, It's Saturday, and that's what you do on a Saturday. Right. As my
0: mom would say, everything in moderation.
2: Yeah. (laughs) But even less than – I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: I know know exactly what you're saying. So it's funny that you were talking about your client with keto because I did keto for a while when Katie was doing it, and I did lose probably 10 pounds, and I was, like, loving it. But, yeah, as soon as I went off of it, I basically gained it back. But not only that, I stopped doing it really because – my cholesterol shot to the roof. Like I got a physical that year and my doctor was like, what have you been doing differently? I'm like, well, actually I've been doing keto. And she's like, you can't do that anymore. Like your numbers are off. It was so bad. And I'd never had any, I was always like perfect numbers. I mean, Katie knows she was living through, I was like, oh my God. So then I really focused on eating low cholesterol foods and like got myself back. And now I'm just eating more fruits and vegetables and have been able to lose weight and fine. And it's more of a lifestyle. But I think for a couple of years, my body was screwed up from doing keto because I felt like I could never have a carb again. And every time I had a carb, I'd gain weight. And now I think my body's leveling out. But I do have a question on that because Katie and I talk about this probably once a month. Like We're always eating healthy, similar diet to you, fruits, vegetables, fish, But let's say you're away for a weekend or there's a day where you overeat. I feel like I could do that, gain two or three pounds, and then it takes me a month to lose those two or three pounds versus like the opposite. You know, it's like, I'm sure it has to do with age. I'm sure it has to do with hormones, what time, all those things. But why does that happen?
2: Like I'll tell the client, for example, to weigh themselves once a week on a Wednesday morning. Don't do it on Monday because you've had- I do it Friday mornings, but- but Friday, I mean, you're not going to want to hear this, but Friday, you probably spent the whole week taking care of yourself. So it's going to be a little lower than it probably would have been earlier in the week. And then you're going to go into the weekend saying like, all right, I've been really good. Like, I guess I can have like- Totally. That is I'm so true. true. That's so <laughs> me. <laughs> I'm <laughs> like, an oh, extra one tonight. Because I'd be curious, is it really on there? Like if you really ate, ate something badly or went away for a weekend, you gained the two pounds, is it on there consistently for a few weeks? No, well, it depends. It's funny.
0: Sometimes I'll overeat and I lose weight or stay the same. And sometimes I'll gain weight. I I think it's hormonal and like when it is that it's happening. Cause I just feel like you have water weight on you before you are getting your period, regardless of what you ate. Yeah. I was telling Katie that the other day. I texted her. I'm like, okay, I ate literally the same thing I ate last week and I gained two pounds this week. I have no idea why. Like, you know, it just. First of all, you shouldn't weigh yourself that often. I'd, once a week. okay, yeah, once a week, but I'm gonna okay. try Wednesday. I like that idea.
1: Yeah okay. hormones are are a very real factor though, are they not? Like when you during your cycle, your digestion is slower, so you might not be evacuating as much as you normally would and you do hold water because of like progesterone and estrogen issues and everything, right? Okay. I mean, so when I try to give myself some grace during that time, I say yeah, like don't
2: weigh yourself during that time. Right. I'm like I'm
1: not losing. Maybe weight. that's
2: my problem. <laughs> yeah, like just
1: tell yourself like no weight's going to come off this week, and it's okay because afterwards it'll start to fall off. You know, but the the thing about weighing yourself on Friday. You hit home so much on that with me because that's exactly what I do. I'm like, all right, I'm down. I was good all week. And And then I overdo it all weekend. That's hilarious. So yeah. I'm switching to Wednesday. We'll report back. Wednesday. Wednesday. (laughs) So we've talked about a lot of things, such as like cravings and all of that. And that really ties in to emotional and stress eating. I mean, I know for myself during quarantine, I was stress eating more than I think I ever have in my life. I think a lot of people were. And I'm definitely an emotional eater. Like if I am not feeling well, I need comfort food. If I'm upset about something, I need comfort food. So how do you help your clients overcome that? I think it's pretty common, isn't it?
2: It's definitely very common. I think a lot of times I ask them the question, like, why? I don't know if that, that sounds, I don't, again, I don't mean to oversimplify it, but why does the eating that, whatever the comfort food looks like, why is that your outlet? Why is that what makes you feel better? Like, why is that, if you had a stressful day at work or you got in a fight with your best friend or your husband or whatever that looks like, or you're overwhelmed and anxious because there's a pandemic, why does an Oreo, I'm using that as an example, why is that? What you need to turn to, because I think a lot of times, again, there's like a, it's like a mental. It's, I'll uh, me give you an example. If I work with a man versus working with a woman, it's insane to see how much easier it is for a man to lose weight. There's no, oh, so I know it's so annoying. I'm like, okay, here's what we're doing. Like, no more beer. You can only have tequila. You're getting on a Friday on Saturdays. This is what you're having for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You're fine. Like, get outside. And they're like, oh, I dropped 12 pounds. Like, thank you so much. And then so annoying. Living, I, know. I think that I go to like that's really the question I asked. That and like, yeah, like why is why does that have to because a lot of people eat because they're stressed and eat because they're bored. And I would also ask that question too, like, of all the things that you have on your plate, because you have a career, you're a mom, you have your wife, your sister. I mean, I'm guessing that you wear all these roles or wear all these hats why is that what you do when you're bored? Like there's a million other things you could be doing. Or like when you're sad, why is that what you do? Like, why isn't it that you go for a walk? Or why isn't it that you cuddle up with your husband and watch a new Netflix series? Why isn't it that you call your best friend? Why isn't it whatever that looks like? Why does it have to be, and again, not, and it doesn't mean that you can't, again, have those comfort foods sometimes, but I, I really position it that way because I don't, the goal, again, to or the key, again, to, kind of that weight loss, weight maintenance, is also finding other ways to like manage those things like stress and manage things like anxiety versus going just to food. Like food is not that powerful. It is. That's not fair. Right. It's probably psychological. Like you're
0: eating it, but that's not really, It for some reason it makes you feel better, but it's just a way to probably relax yourself. So to your point, if you take a walk, that's relaxing too. It just doesn't sound as fun. Yeah. As having a glass of wine or drink or eating some Oreos.
1: <laughs> That's funny. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, like you said, finding other ways to cope and to manage your stress is all a part of it. I mean, that makes perfect so sense. But would you then say, so is this why finding your why? Is this are you talking like really introspective, like deep kind of look into what's wrong with you and and pinpoint it? And then if you do you kind of go back to that to remind you, oh, I don't need these chips right now because this is my why. And I, I, you know, does that help?
2: I think so. Because I also think if you are someone who's an anxious person, for example, and then you tell me that, you know, work was overwhelming and you have another big meeting and you're stressed out about it, you're worried. So you went and you ate whatever that looks like the Oreos or the wine. It's, is is that helping you get, like, isn't that just going to make you more anxious and more stressed out? Does that make sense? Like, it's not, it's not solving the problem. If you then told me, or even with sleep, like I'll have clients tell me, well, I have wine before I go to sleep because it helps me sleep. Most people, it might help you fall asleep, but the sugar in it actually doesn't give you as restful of a night's sleep. Again, do I drink? Yes. Do I drink every night? No, because I have to be really thoughtful about my sleep. And if I drink, whatever, it, it wakes, I wake up in the middle of the night a lot, like, because the sugar spike. And I guess, it, yeah, I think it's getting closer to your goal. It's realizing, like, if it's not solving the problem, then if anything, it's just creating kind of a new problem. Because then not only are you stressed about that work meeting, but then you're stressed because, you know, summer's coming in three months and you want to feel comfortable and you, you want to feel beautiful in your own skin. And you know that you have to whatever it looks like publicly, and you don't want to be that person who's like in a tank top because you're not where you want to be or whatever that looks like.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I never really thought about it that way. And I think it's really important to think about the why behind it versus just giving in to like that craving, because then you're creating this habit of like, okay, every time I'm stressed out, I'm going to grab this because it makes me feel better when really it doesn't make me feel better. But what can I do to make myself feel better? Yeah, so I like thinking about worse. that,
2: and then it gives you another reason that you're upset, right? It, and they use the book, like the booger example with your husband or like your kid. If your kid was always like, you're both mothers, yes, yes. yes. Okay. So if one of your kids every time they ate something, when they finished, if they had leftovers, they threw it onto the countertop and like what, like mushed it around, and you're like, why do you do that? And they're like, well, that's just what I do when I'm done. It's like how I tell you when I'm done, like. No, you wouldn't be okay with it. Like you would teach them like another way to figure, like whatever their way of telling you that they're finished with their meal is, it does not have to be mushing the spaghetti around on the countertop. Like it's gonna look like something else. So again, if you have a day where you have the glass of wine and you have the Oreo, it's it's not gonna kill you, but it shouldn't be the outlet. It shouldn't be the only thing that helps you cope or the only thing that helps you feel better when something's going on. And I think that the sooner, I mean, I don't need to be harsh, but the sooner we tell ourselves like there are other ways to handle this and that's not going to help me get closer to my goal, the better off we are.
1: Yeah, You're and, so
0: right. Yeah. Tell us about eating and working out and just kind of what our listeners, what we should be thinking about before or after a workout, because I sometimes work out with an empty stomach, which has been fine actually, but what are
2: your thoughts? My thoughts are a workout, best workout would be the one that you'll do. I really, I inter- I've interviewed a few people, What you know, I do, um, I do lives once a week mm-hmm. and they all have very different opinions. And I actually, the reason I started mine was, sim- I mean, I think it's similar, somewhat similar to what you guys are doing, but it was to highlight the fact that everybody has different needs and everybody has, we're all very different. Like I could eat spinach, avocados, and salmon every single day and Katie could do the same thing, and we're still not going to look the same. Or right. Katie and I could go running together five days a week, six miles a day, and we're still not going to have the same body type. We're still not going to feel the same way. Like we all, we all have different needs from an exercise standpoint, from a food standpoint, sleep even. I need more sleep than my husband. I need seven to eight hours. He, he functions really well on six. So for exercise, I would say find something you enjoy, find something that doesn't feel like a workout, something that you actually, like, it could be dance, spinning, taking a walk, hiking, uh, running, swimming, I mean, anything so that you, again, don't feel like you're working, but you feel like you're just getting a stress release, you're having some time to yourself. Um, and for that really does look different for a lot of people. I personally love high-intensity workouts, but... My sister in laws, both of them who are equally health conscious, I mean, fit, beautiful, et cetera, um, and healthy, I should say more than just health conscious. They're both very healthy. Hate that stuff. One of them only does Pilates, the other one does Pilates and yoga. And I think it's the fact that we're both have that, or that all three of us have found something that we're dedicated and motivated to do daily, ritually, like routinely. That is what makes us feel the best versus. Like you have to run if you want to feel the best, or you have to do yoga. For everyone, it's it's kind of different. From a facet party or a facet standpoint, I tell you, I don't need food before I work out. I can't work out when my stomach is full. I always work out on an empty stomach. But some people get dizzy. Like I, I had a client who was trying it, and she's like, I get really dizzy. And I was like, Well, you have to eat something then. How much is there
1: behind? Like, I've been reading a lot about you know, if I want to gain muscle mass, I have to eat X, Y, Z amount of carbs and protein after my workout, or if I'm trying to lose fat, I, like eat fast before your exercise. I mean, so is there so much science behind that that it's a, a one size fits all? You can do this and apply this, and it will do that, or is it to your point that you just said, like that's not necessarily going to work for every person?
2: I think that genetics play a really big role in that stuff. Like even my, my mother, for example, who is naturally smaller than I am, she still has a lot of muscle tone and I, I don't lift weights at all. I only do stuff with my body weight and I have like guns, like and, and I actually don't love them that that much. I kind of wish they were a little more long and lean. But, but <laughs> if I moved on to like Pilates and yoga, I wouldn't have long and lean. I would just probably be more stressed out. And yeah, I really think it's a very personal thing. And I think that that's kind of not, a, it's not an issue, but we'll go on and look at whether it's a celebrity or an influencer or somebody whose body or lifestyle we our admire. And we think if we do that, then we'll have it. And we're all just really different.
1: Yeah. Comparison is not a good
0: thing, right? And we were, it's funny, um, we talked about intuitive eating in the beginning. And we talked about an episode earlier, which we didn't call it this, but it just struck me intuitive movement because Katie and I were talking about how I, I love to spin. I love to run. I like to do yoga and Pilates and just based on how I feel that day is what I do. Whereas Katie pretty much does yoga and Pilates every day, right? And once in a while, you'll probably do something more intense, but you prefer those. So it's interesting because you're right. Whatever the best workout is, the workout that you do. Yeah. I love that. So tell us about your Instagram lives because I see you online all the time doing all these fun interviews. And I want to hear the type of people you're interviewing and when you do them.
2: Sure. I love people. (laughs) Like, I love learning about people. I feel like, especially in my industry, because I believe that everyone is so different and what it works for one person doesn't work for another, I'm always interested in hearing like, what do they do that helps them, whether it's kick ass at life or in their career? So I started by interviewing people who I like high performers who just somehow, I don't know how they did it all. And I was so amazed by it, by them. And it also motivates me like listening to people. So I kind of started there. Then I pivoted more towards interviewing people about what they eat um, and how much they move because I wanted to highlight again what would work for you wouldn't work for someone else. And you shouldn't necessarily have celery juice every morning because your best friend did it and lost five pounds. Although I do like celery juice. So I do them usually on Thursdays at noon. And I kind of I my I, I probably should hone in on more of what I'm focusing on, but it's more just learning about people and what they do to kind of feel their best because I, I love that stuff.
1: It's fun. You should have a podcast. That's kind of the same thing (laughs) that we're doing.
2: (laughs) Are you inviting me to join the Nirvana sisters?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Honorary. You 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 can be
2: our
0: honorary Nirvana sister. You could be a special guest and help us. host. We'd love it. Okay. So we're going to move into our wrap session, but before we do, how can our listeners contact you if they're like, Hey, I really loved listening to everything she said and I want to work with her. How do they reach out you to you.
2: Email me or reach out to me on Instagram. So either just Jen at Jen Silverman Nutrition.com or my handle, which is Jen Silverman Nutrition.com. Super literal. And what's your website? Jen thing. thing. Okay, easy. I like the branding.
0: <laughs> okay. So getting into our wrap session. So what is your favorite wellness or beauty hack?
2: I, I drink a ton of water and I believe that People don't realize how beneficial water is for your skin, for your energy, for fighting off sometimes what you think are hunger cues, but you're really just dehydrated. So I guess water.
1: That's a big one. What you just said about fighting off that hunger cue when you're actually having Addison's disease, I'm frequently dehydrated. So learning that was like a big learning curve for me, but it's so true. A lot of times people think they're hungry. And in fact, you really just need to go have some water.
2: Yeah. I think I'll give you my hack for hangovers. When I drink the following morning, instead of going for something, everyone's like, you need greasy to suck it up. Like, no, that's ridiculous. You know what you need? Like an emergency packet or something with electrolytes. I pour it into water and chug it because it gives me the electrolytes, B vitamins. And that to me is because I'm dehydrated. It's the perfect cure. Yeah, it sure. instantly make me feel like running but it makes me feel more human. <laughs>
1: it helps. Yeah, that's a good hack. So the next one is our five-minute flow. You just got out of the shower and dried off and Uber alerted you they're five minutes away. What's your quick beauty routine? Like, what are you going to do to get out the door, grab your holy grails? What, what What are you doing to get
2: there? Okay, I'm obsessed with lotion. I have really dry skin and I put it on my body head to toe, like at least twice a day. So I'm lathering up my entire body with lotion, head to toe. Mascara. I... Used to sleep in mascara and it's the cheap kind. The Maybelline one, it's like yellow with purple writing or the mm-hmm. one with the green top. Never a fancy one. I've tried the fancy ones. They don't work as well. So a lot of lotion, a lot of mascara. I'm brushing my teeth. I might be drinking a coffee before brushing my teeth. Oh, I'm a tongue scraper. Um, I have a, a metal tongue scraper. I love that I'm showing you the motion, guys. I'm showing you. Um, I have a metal tongue scraper that I use... Yeah, every morning, every night, sometimes in the middle of the day to get the toxins off of my tongue also to not only remove pretty things, but just because there's a lot of like crap built up in our mouths. I don't know that I'm not a dentist, but I studied or did a lot of reading about Ayurveda and that's a huge thing, like the tongue scraping and then also like a br- like brushing on your body uh, to brush off stuff. I don't do the brushing as much, but the tongue scraping I would definitely do too. How do you maintain your daily nirvana? Especially um, with three
0: kids and water, water, Your, and coffee. I love coffee. water and coffee. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: I, I prioritize my sleep. I really do. I, if I don't, I'm not in like, I need sleep. And I know that about myself and I know that it affects me in every way. So I always, I, I get a good night's sleep.
1: Nice. Very smart. Sleep does so much, right?
2: Especially in Addison's with the lines, like auto to sleep is so important.
1: Crucial. Yeah. Crucial. All right, so that was fun, Amy. I want to hear your product review. You said I was going to like okay. it, Jen. Do you want to stick around for it?
2: Yeah, of course.
1: Great. Okay, so it's I'm actually
0: pivoting what I'm doing. So I'm going to do a review on something that I like, but I want Jen's opinion on it now that we've had this discussion because my review is a food review, which I never do food reviews, Jen. I usually do a product or like something you know related to like beauty or wellness, but. Since you are on, i I chose one of my newest favorite snacks that Katie and I recently both discovered separately and both love. So usually around four o'clock, I get a craving, or especially what, when it's my cycle, and I'm like, I need something salty. Um, salty? cheese salty, yeah,. Okay. And so there's these cheese balls called pipcorn p i p c o r n, and they're heirloom cheese balls. And they taste like the old school cheese balls, but apparently they're healthier for you. I have a picture. Well, I don't know if you can yeah, see them. What are they made from? Well, I'm going to read you the ingredients because now I don't know if they're actually, I don't know if you can see this. I mean, have you seen these before, Jen? Oh, no, and I'm
2: embarrassed.
0: <laughs> um. So it's funny because I had them recently and Katie had them when we both like, I think Katie sent me a picture. I'm like, oh, did I tell you about those? She was like, no, I just found them in the store. They're amazing. So we both like them, of course, because you can have 114 pieces per serving. Not that you even eat that many, but they're tiny. So you can kind of like eat a lot in a serving. I mean, I don't know if I eat 114, but just the idea that you can have 114 and that's a serving kind of makes it makes it feel good. So as we were talking and you're talking about the ingredients, I'm like, let me look up the ingredients. So I'll tell you what's in it and you tell us what you think. Okay. So... The serving size, like I said, is 114 pieces. It's 140 calories per serving. There's 4.5 servings a container.
2: What is? Is there a lot of sodium, protein?
0: Let's look. Eight grams of fat per serving, 240 milligrams of sodium. That's low. 16 carbs. Low. One fiber, one sugar, three protein.
2: Okay. That's terrible,
0: right? Okay, so here's the here's the ingredients. The first ingredient is heirloom corn. Second ingredient, sunflower oil. <laughs> it's just like it's going downhill. <laughs> Third one, organic whey. Interesting. Oh, the
2: whey, like interesting.
0: Fourth ingredient, organic cheddar cheese, and then it says in parentheses, organic milk cultures, salt, and enzymes. Fifth ingredient, organic nonfat milk powder. Then the rest is sea salt, organic buttermilk powder, organic paprika, and lactic acid.
1: And they're also baked. They're baked.
0: It says, the first better-for-you cheese balls with a crunchy texture and delicious taste you love without the crappy ingredients. That's literally what it says on their website. Bake with organic cheese, natural color from paprika, and whole grain heirloom corn so you can feel good about giving them to kids, sharing them with friends, or munching them at midnight. Made with heirloom corn that's been grown sustainably- by our family farmers for generations for unrivaled nutrition, taste, and texture, and gluten-free, non-GMO, and made without artificial colors or flavor. So I read that and I was like, "All right, that sounds pretty good." But based on the I ingredients, I'm
2: using them as a garnish in like a salad or a soup. I don't know. Ooh. I'm very into garnishing.
0: Ooh, um, I like that idea rather than just like grabbing from the bag, which is yes. what I do. Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yum, that right. um, I
2: don't think they're bad. I, the only thing I would say is some people. Katie asked me a while ago, or a while ago, but earlier on about um, like white potatoes being inflammatory, for example. So like lectins, um, which are proteins found in vegetables or nightshades, which are eggplant, tomato, pepper, white potatoes. Some people have a reaction to them. Vegetable oil being one of them. Is a canola oil? No. Canola oil is cracked. Don't eat something with canola oil, but it does have sunflower oil. So a lot of healthier products now will move to like sunflower or safflower oil, which Mm -hmm. is fine, but it's not as good as like an avocado oil or uh, extra virgin or regular just olive oil.
0: This is a really fun game. I like this. And now I just thought of a new episode of like, okay, we're going to have you back and we're going to have like 10 foods Mm -hmm. and it's going to be a game Uh like, is it approved or is it not? But yeah, yeah, I love it. It's really fun. So anyway- I bought them at Whole Foods. I just randomly found them in the aisle and I was like, ooh, these look yummy. And then I looked at the back and I'm like, these don't seem terrible. And then it's like 114 pieces. I'm like, but I like the idea of putting in a salad. So then you get that crunch and it's only but, a few. Katie,
1: where did you find them by you? at just I regular found grocery? them at my, yeah, at Kroger's, which is like, you know, a big yeah. grocery. Of
0: course thing.
2: we know Kroger's. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's my review. highly recommend. And they're yummy and salty, it's which hard. I love. Yeah. And they're
2: Jen Silverman approved. <laughs> that used to be a hashtag, by the way. So I love that you just brought that back. Okay, nice. we're, bring, we're bringing it, it back for really you. It a joke at a studio that I used to work, at, um, work out at. They would, everyone would, t- every time they ate something, it disapproved. And I was like, yeah. yeah. I love it. That's I love great. it.
1: All right. Well, let's close up with our mantra. I have one that, you know, I don't 100% know if I would say that it's a mantra. Maybe it's more of a motto. But I thought it was, I've been saving it for this episode because... Well, I'll say it first, and then I'll explain why. It is self care is taking your power back, and I I wanted to say that because I, if we have any listeners out there that are maybe gun shy to start taking care of themselves, or you know they're they're just a- afraid to to start something, put themselves first. This is a good thing to tell yourself because we all go through times in life where maybe like we're not feeling well mentally or physically. Or we feel out of control with our diet. We're we're gaining weight when we don't want to. We're losing weight when we we don't want to. When you actually take the time to care for yourself, you gain so much power. And I think that's really powerful. And I I want our listener to just think about that and take it with them.
0: I love that. You just gave me the chills. That's a really good motto slash mantra. So thank you, Katie. And thank you so much, Jen, for being on the show. I yeah, love so Jen, much. You. And this thank was amazing. So we really appreciate thank you. it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Nirvana Sisters. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes, please subscribe and leave us a review. Also find us on Instagram at Nirvana Sisters. If you loved what you just listened to or know someone that would, please share it and tag us. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of Nirvana Sisters. We'll continue to watch out for all things wellness so you don't have to. Bye.